Hello, everyone. I want to wrap up the feminist porn um, information detailing, and so I'm going to do that starting right now. So this is descentmagazine.org, right? Slash article slash not safe for work. You know, not safe for work, why feminist pornography matters. This is written by Claire Potter. Spring 2016 is when it was released. Since the sex wars, women have become more visible as producers and consumers of pornography. Again, since the sex wars, women have become more visible as producers and consumers of pornography. But many debates about working conditions and content remain stuck in the past. How should feminists both within and outside the industry engage with pornography today? This is Tristan Hiramino and Candice Vidala, Vidala, third and fourth from left with colleagues Jisley, Lisa um, Van Dever and Nina Joyner at the Sin Kink Awards, New York, March 2013, voted by Stacey Joy. This February, prompted by the AIDS Healthcare Foundation, AHF, California's Division of Occupational Safety and Health, Cal slash OSHA, heard over five hours of testimony from actors, writers, and filmmakers from the pornography industry about proposed regulations that would force them to treat clothes, clothes, fluids, sex toys, and other items as medical waste. California law already mandates condom use. AHF, AHF, that is again, AIDS Healthcare Foundation, claims it is not enforced. But the proposed new regulations would have required performers to wear dental dams, the AMS, and goggles when filming some sex scenes. Although the industry standard is to test performers regularly, AHF asserted that the 21 pages of proposed regulations were vital to worker safety. The Free Speech Coalition, a trade association for the adult industry, vigorously disagreed, mobilizing almost 100 performers and producers from across the country to oppose rules that, if enforced, might regulate pornography out of business. In fact, the FSF, which does not, ooh, I'm sorry, in fact, the FSC, which does support safer sex practices like regular testing, would jettison the condom law too. While some might say that condoms undermine the sexual fantasy pornography is promoting, FSC argues that it is performers themselves who should make decisions about safety on set. Adult industry professionals should have effective and industry-appropriate choices. Again, adult industry professionals should have effective and industry-appropriate choices chosen by the performers. The petition promoted by FSC read, while condoms are one option, Adult performers should have the ability to choose for themselves the method or methods of effective STI prevention that best suits them individually. The rules proposed by Cal slash OSHA were patronizing, cluttered with stereotypes and a sexist approach that strips performers of their reproductive rights and personal and professional medical privacy, said Executive Director of FSC, Eric Louis. Um, they did not pass. This wasn't the first time that an ideological battle over pornography has portrayed the industry as inherently dangerous, nor is it the first time that sex workers have faced the possibility of being put out of business because of quote unquote protection they did not choose. That began back in the 1970s when pornography had just become legal and radical feminists believed that shutting it down was essential to fighting violence against women. Pornography transformed women into adult Toys wrote feminist activist, journalist, and women against pornography. WAP co founder Susan Brown Miller, 1975. Dehumanized objects to be used, abused, broken, and discarded. Pornography is the theory, rape is the practice. Former Miss Magazine editor Robin Morgan declared in 1977. Pornography, some argued, was a form of terror. Women will now, women will know that we are free when the pornography no longer exists, wrote Andrea Dworkin, one of the most well-known advocates of anti-porn feminism in 1981. 1996 legal scholar 
Kaffner and McKinnon argued against the idea that pornography was a creative practice entitled to First Amendment protection. While pornography itself was not responsible for sexual assaults against women, wrote McKinnon, men who are made change and impelled by porn were. Yet porn also had its defenders, politicians, media figures, and civil libertarians who had historically sought to free sexuality from control by the state. Even more importantly, porn was vigorously defended within feminism. Beginning with a clash between feminists at the 1982 Bernard Conference on Sexuality, the struggle came to a head when Dworkin and McKinnon drafted an anti-pornography civil rights ordinance at the request of city officials in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Although the ordinance passed, Mayor Donald Frazier refused to sign it, prompting anti pornography activists to take it to Indianapolis, a city whose mayor supported the legislation. Here, the Feminist Anti-Censorship Tax Force, FACT, a coalition of New York academics and cultural workers allied with the American Civil Liberties Union, ACLU, successfully challenged the ordinance's constitutionality, allowing people who believe they have been harmed by porn to sue for damages, they argue, would turn all erotica and sexual materials into a potential legal liability for the seller and result in de facto censorship. In effect, this prevented, enact, in effect, this prevented enactment of the ordinance anywhere in the United States. Defenders of porn within radical feminism did not seek to deny the reality of exploitation and sexual violence. Novelist Dorothy Allison, a member of FACT, wrote freely about having been subjected to cruel, sexualized beatings and incestuous rape as a child. But feminists who called themselves pro-sex objected to the idea that consuming or making porn was, was, was categorically harmful. Journalist Alan Willis asked in 1979, is there any objective criterion for healthy or satisfying sex? And if so, what is it? In the same vein, others point out that the charges against pornography could be made against most erotic art. As former sex worker and lesbian feminist activist Amber Hollenbaugh wrote in 1980, she could make a strong argument for the potential violence of Harlequin romances because of their depictions of heterosexual relationships. Gay historian and longtime feminist activist John D'Amelio saw violence against women on television and in mainstream films as a greater danger than porn since the mass media pose as real life. Why, in other words, single out pornography as the sole culprit for the sexist oppression of women? What ultimately counted as porn and who would decide? In 1993, queer anthropologist and activist Gail Rubin proposed that feminists stop playing defense and go on the attack. Ending sexism and misogynist violence in commercial sexual culture could and should be addressed, not by getting women out of porn, she argued, but by getting them into it as producers, writers, and directors. Can there be such a thing as feminist pornography? Many still say no. Echoing decades of anti-pornography feminist literature, Gail Dines told the Daily Beast in 2012 that Anyone willing to feed off women's bodies and use them as raw materials to make a profit has no right to call themselves feminists. But many feminists, including those who make porn, disagree. Yes, despite decades of efforts to suppress it, porn is reaching larger audiences than ever, making porn more politically progressive for those who consume it and making set safer for perform making set safer for performers are critical issues for feminist intervention. And feminist pornographers have chosen to take on both. A brief history of feminist pornography. It was October 1994, the McKinnon Dwarf Ordinance had been signed by the mayor of Indianapolis and was heading to federal court. Lisa Duggan, a graduate student in American history and a member of FACT, had just published a front page story in the Village Voice that would strike a blow to anti pornography feminism and everywhere associated with it by, by insinuating that these longstanding leftists had become right-wing censors. Soon, the appeals court agreed that the ordinance amounted to censorship. The Supreme Court upheld this ruling without comment. That 
same year, a late career porn star named Candace Fadala wondered if there wasn't a market for a different kind of porn. Like pro-pornography feminists, she imagined that sex films could celebrate women's sexuality and teach men how to be better lovers. A successful actress in adult film and video for over a decade as Candida Royale, Mandela was 34 and nearly quote-unquote shot out. An industry term that means a performer has been seen too many times and is losing value. It was time for her to make her next move. Building on changes in the genre that now emphasize feature-length productions, plot, lush settings, and dialogue, as well as a new home video market catering to couples, she founded Finn Productions in 1984. Mandala called her alternative vision for porn positive sexual role modeling. It employed ideas developed by members of Club 90, a sex workers collective founded in 1983 that met regularly to discuss the industry. Mandala decided that her sets would be clean, respectful, and put women in control of their own images. Her films would include performers of color, dramatically underrepresented in the industry, and older actresses. Most importantly, she was inspired to change how women were represented in, por in pornographic films. These movies are sold based on the women, Mandala told German feminist erotic filmmaker Petra George Gaussnate, but our sexuality was completely ignored in them. While Vandala, well, Badala, her name is Badala, correcting myself. While Badala quickly found another woman interested in directing and persuaded her ex-husband to back her financially, distributors balked. Ironically, they, they ironically, they echoed anti-pornography feminist criticism. E ironically, they echoed anti-pornography feminist criticisms. Porn was for men, not for women. Until then, the concept of couples movies was unheard of. Badala later wrote, 1987, in response to difficulty distributing her films, Badala founded Fem Distribution. The decade that followed changed the decade that followed changed the porn industry, in part because of the growth of erotica stores like Adam Meath, North Carolina, once a sexual health clinic. These entrepreneurs served a growing middle class market for sex toys, films, and other products. They presented sex as something that could be both enjoyed and learned. While the feminist sex wars raged, Vadala became a pornography innovator. Beginning with her first film, Femme, Femme 1984, she created woman-centered woman narratives that countered predictable sexist storylines. Although they had rudimentary plots, the average porn feature typically rushed through a narrative setup and a crummy script to get to the quote-unquote money shot. A visible male orgasm splattered over an actress's body and face. Men dominated the action, teaching women lessons about their own bodies. The cult classic Deep Throat 1972 features a male director who discovers what is quote unquote wrong with her patient. Her clitoris is in her throat, and she can only receive pleasure by swallowing his penis. Finally, stimulating the clitoris, she cannot touch on her own. Although porn star Linda Borman's throat claims the title, Harry Reams' penis is the star of the show. The movie culminates in Borman's first explosive orgasm, depicted by a series of rockets, fireworks, and explosions that entirely eliminate her body from the scene. By contrast, Badalus' stories led the viewer through lush, sensual settings depicting women's pleasure and seduction and foreplay as well as intercourse. Rites of Passion, 1988, for example, features men and women discovering mutual pleasure through tantric sex. In Three Daughters, 1986, sisters explore their sexuality. Their middle-aged parents also rediscover their own erotic relationship. The film Chocolate Series 2007 puts Black women at the center of the action in settings that range from vacation beaches to the music business. As important, Badala also introduced new workplace ethics that protected female performances' physical safety, gave them the power and status to make their own creative decisions on the, decisions on the set, and eventually provided the opportunity to, to direct their own films. By 2006, um, so many producers and directors had followed Badala's lead that Toronto's Good for Adult Store established the annual Feminist Porn Awards, FPAs, which set criteria for what constituted feminist pornography. To qualify for an award, a film had to use erotic narratives to challenge stereotypes. And porn, this includes featuring performers of color, trans, fat, older, or disabled performers who are typically stereotyped or regulated to the fetish 
marketing mainstream porn. To qualify as feminist pornography, the, the director had to put the actress's pleasure and agency at the center of the story, ask for actresses' consent for any sexual act, permit actors to revoke consent, and provide clean and safe working conditions. Before she died of ovarian cancer, September, before she died of ovarian cancer in September 2015, Badala had become a pornography legend. She had produced 18 films, directing and writing most of them. An almost, an, an almost unexplored figure in the histories of sexuality and feminism, Badala led the way for today's feminist porn entrepreneurs, women and queers who view themselves not just as pornographers, but as educators, writers, activists, artists, and intellectuals. Most of all, Badala set a precedent. She responded to feminist critiques of porn by making feminist porn of her own. Her movies were more about the quality of the sex rather than how outrageous and violating it can be, she wrote on her website. Women tend to thank me for creating movies that are sensitive to what they want to see, that encompass class and taste and make them feel good about themselves and their sexuality. Men thank me for creating movies that they can share with their woman. The labor of pornography. And, and after that, I'll tell you what I think. Um, labor of pornography. There's no doubt, however, that feminist porn is still a niche market in a booming profit-driven industry largely oriented toward male viewers. Although it's difficult to document the size of a business that ranges from homemade videos to glossy magazines, an NBC report estimated that pornography was a $97 billion global industry in 2014. Facebook, by contrast, reported $12.47 billion in revenues and Time Warner, $27.4 billion that year. Porn's profits may also be significantly underreported. Major corporations like AT&T, Hilton, Time Warner, Rupert, Murdoch, Rupert Murdoch's News Corporation, and others derived enormous profits from distributing adult films, even though they had, even though they barely market them. And as the New York Times reported in 2000, they are not mentioned in annual reports except in the vaguest of euphemisms. The industry is also less regulated than it has ever been. Pornography ranges from products made at home and distributed independently over the internet to feminist porn promoted by progressive sex shops like Seattle's Babeland to vertically integrated companies selling alt alternative porn like the California-based Vivid Entertainment. Although federal obscenity laws still exist, they are rarely enforced except when sexual materials feature or are distributed to legal minors. What that means for adult performers is that porn is an expanding industry that can offer full-time, brief careers or part-time work to pay the bills. In addition to the money, some performers see making porn as an opportunity to explore the sexuality, which makes the work personally meaningful to them. As Jill Nagel argued in Horace and Other Feminists 1997, artists, writers, paralegals, businesswomen, public health workers, and graduate students were as self-defined feminist sex workers fucking their way to broader conceptual horizons. Like other forms of entertainment expanding into a quote-unquote women's market, such as the NFL, commercial porn has been putting more women in leadership roles for several decades. Christy Hafner, for instance, was promoted to chairman of the board and CEO of her father's Playboy Enterprises in 1988. In 2012, 29-year-old feminist sex educator Lux Al L A L P Alp Tram purchased Flesh Bot from Gawker Media and became its CEO. Alp Tram told Salon that her career was made possible by internet market segmentation, much like Amazon or Hulu. Big porn can serve different sexualities, desires, and ages. It allows women who have a keen sense for a portion of that market to prosper. Alp Tram remarked, it's not so much of a top-down dictation thing anymore. The audience for straight pornography traditionally men expecting to watch heterosexual or woman-on-woman -woman sex is also changing. More women are watching. A 2012 study done by the Institut Francais d'Opinion Publique, IFOP, found that 82% of French women watched porn up from 23% in 1992. In the United States, those numbers, according to a 2013 Pew study, are far, and as Slate's Amanda Hess wrote, suspiciously lower, with 8% of women, 25% of men, admitted to having used porn at least once. 
yet the size of the female audience had still quadrupled since 2010. This provokes the question, if porn is not going away, if its production and consumption is becoming more male, if, as Candace Fadala had hoped, women in porn are gaining more independence and power, how should feminists both within and outside the industry be engaging with pornography? The ideal, uh, ideological polarization of the sex force continues to color the conversations we have about we have about pornography today. Feminist pornographers agree that mainstream porn is stubbornly um, discriminatory, usually exploitative, and rarely scrutinized for abuses on the set. Although these although these inequalities are not unique to the pornography workplace, contemporary pro-porn feminists and their zeal to defend pornography's sex-positive potential and debunk the stereotype that all sex workers are exploited tend to sidestep such issues. So does FSC, which primarily defends the right of performers to work in porn, has created a system of self-regulation to keep producers on the right side of the law. On the other hand, the national feminist organizations that opposed porn back in the 1980s continue to conduct little research on women in the industry except when they are victims of sex trafficking. Discussions of protection in the industry are therefore ideologically skewed depending on which side of the sex wars you're on. Sex workers are either empowered, erasing abuse in the industry, or making workers hesitate to speak out or by definition exploited, socially vulnerable, controlled by men and unable to speak for themselves. The advocates on either side are currently listening to what performers themselves have to say about the working conditions in the porn industry and what they want and need to do their jobs without fear. Pro porn, um, all right, so, Pro-porn feminist first asserted that sex work is no different from other kinds of work during the fight against the McKinnon work and ordinance. An argument that is especially important because it then follows that the porn set, like any other workplace, should be safe, regulated, and free from discrimination. Defending the sexual workplace has broader significance too. The issues for women in erotic films mirror the issues of women in general. Civil rights attorney Mac Dorman told me, a longtime feminist, Dorman has numerous clients in sex work. What they and all women need, she believes, is freedom from discrimination regardless of how they make a living. Although it is difficult to get accurate statistics of how men and women are paid in porn, it is widely believed that pornography is one of the few industries where women are better paid than men. According to porn agent Mark Spielder, a few female performers make up to $350,000 a year, three times what most of the top earning men make. The majority of performers, male and female, of course, make far less than those top earners. But the gap in earnings applies across the board. The Daily Beast reported in 2013, for instance, that a female performer might do an oral sex scene for $250, while a man might do the same scene for as little as $50. The industry relies on performing its capacity to separate sex work from intimacy. Unsurprisingly, higher pay in porn seems to correlate with sex acts that are more physically or psychologically demanding. Straight male stars who agree to do scenes with other men, a deal called gay for pay, can triple their normal rates. Gay porn director Brad Hammer. Brad Hammer has seen men earn up to $7,000 for a few days' work. Spiegel told Business Insider in 2012 that a woman who agrees to a double penetration scene can earn up to $4,000. Although women may be paid better than men, feminist pornographer Tristan Tyromeno notes that women are on set potentially twice as long as men uh, because they have hair and makeup. They have to show up with a bunch of their own wardrobe. Women also can't do the highest paid work uh, penetrative sex every day. There's got to be some time off to rest. Tyra Mental points out it takes a toll on your body. Additionally, women also have to spend money to make money. As feminist historian Marielle Miller Young notes in a taste for brown sugar black women pornography 2014 the highest earning female porn stars are paid for their work on set but not for the unpaid labor of maintaining their appearance 
In contrast to the clothes, Hollywood stars are loaned or given by designers and the squads of makeup artists and hairdressers employed by mainstream media production. A porn star's glamour comes out of her own pocket and more is, and more is, uh, and more is expected of women and men. Women are expected to arrive on the set with hair and nails done, all the clothes they will need for a scene, their bodies perfectly trimmed, tanned, and plucked. All of that prep for a shoot is unpaid and unreimbursed, Terminal told me, as are the robust social media presences actresses are expected to maintain. If mainstream porn makes women hyper-visible, the industry goes to great lengths to make the conditions of their labor invisible. Work on porn sets is usually self-regulated, non-unionized, and without benefits or enforceable industry standards for wages and intellectual property conditions that can contribute to exploitation. Although anti-pornography feminism did not end porn, it did expose many of the abuses in a sexist male-dominated industry. In her 1980 book, Ordeal, Linda Borman revealed that she had been forced to do deep throat by a violent and abusive husband who had beaten and raped her, threatened to kill her parents, and pimped her out to Hollywood stars. Borman had tried to escape three times, only to be tracked down and returned to her former state of sexual servitude. Media scholar Carolyn Brownstein wrote in her book, uh, Battling Pornography, 2011. The generation of producers that followed Candace Van Vadala, feminist um, pornographers like Tyra Minow, Courtney Trump, and Erica Les are attempting to take the economic, physical, and social vulnerability of performers seriously. Making explicit agreements with performers about what will and will not happen in each scene is a major change that characterizes a feminist set, as is the director's is guaranteed that what has been consented to will be carried out. Good directors acquire a reputation for taking care of performances' bodies. They also make money by presenting authentic sexual scenarios that viewers can reproduce at home without hurting each other. Although these practices may not be observed across the industry as a whole, it is significant that FSC members are expected to adhere to a code of ethics that includes written service contracts, teaching performers to perform a scene safely, advising them of any physical risks involved, and enforcing professional behavior on the set. Feminist producers also make a woman's market visible to the industry, and courting these consumers has created an incentive for mainstream porn to be seen as explicitly respectful of female performers. Because of that, an accusation of sexual violence can have ramifications for those who are found to be abusive. Recently, the porn actress Stoya accused her former partner, James Dean, an actor popular with female porn audience with female with an actor popular with female porn audiences of rape and assault off the set. Dean's image as porn's boy next door crumbled when eight other women subsequently came forward with allegations that Dean had sexually assaulted them both on screen and off. Although charges have not been filed against Dean, trade associations, Dean's employer, kink.com, and the entertainment site, the Frisbee cut their ties with him. In doing so, feminist journalist Laurie Penny noted porn became the first professional community to respond to allegations of serial sexual violence by actually believing women from the start. Self-identified feminist pornographers like Tyra Minow also favor employment discrimination policies that expand the market for their products and addressing inequalities in mainstream porn, criteria that are stated explicitly on the FPA website. Part of our mission as feminists is to say we are going to treat performers fairly, Tyra Minow says. For me as a feminist, that also means employing performers of color and paying them the same amount as their white counterparts, which mostly isn't happening the same as in Hollywood, and I'm going to make it a safe environment. According to Tyramento, feminist pornographers are concerned with safer sex, with consent, and with making sure that people are working reasonable hours. Setting basic standards being held accountable for them and being held accountable for them is really important. Following the Dean allegations, for example, Kink also revised its model Bill of Rights to try to strengthen protection of performance while filming as introduced model expected behavior guidelines to clarify issues like consent both on and off set. In fact, such practices first established on battle is set in, sets in the 1980s are even appearing on mainstream Hollywood sets. In, in September 2015, the Hollywood Reporter noted that SAGFAFTRA was scrutinizing the shoot of a new HBO series to ensure that actors understood and consented to every act in every scene that involved nudity. Much also remains to be done to address the stigma that lingers long after performer may leave the industry.
Linda Borman left sex work repeatedly only to return to it because neither she or her husband were able to hold a job for longer than it took an employer or neighbor to recognize her. The internet ex exacerbates that problem for an actress. Everyone knows she's a porn star, so even if she would be a good retail worker, no one is going to hire her, Tarvino explained. An effort by feminist organizations to destigmatize sex work and pornography would support female performers by making the industry safer and better, but also expand the economic choices of those who spend any part of their working lives in porn. Although porn is not technically an underground industry, lack of scrutiny of the porn workplace, either by the consumer public or organized labor, makes basic safety, hours, and wages matters that are adjudicated on the set, putting performers without an agent at a disadvantage. The stigma about pornography per perpetuated by its critics also makes it difficult for people who are exploited to speak up. As a result, when performers are harmed or go unpaid, they are caught between a self-regulated industry and a justice system that does not recognize that sex crimes or economic exploitation can occur on a porn set. As Melissa Gyra Grant noted in her account of, St of Stoya's case in The Guardian last December, the actress's choice to broadcast the details of Dean's alleged assault on Twitter not only broke the silence around abuse by an influential performer, but also challenged the entrenched notion that, quote unquote, sex workers are by definition unrapeable. Another performer noted that although Dean's power in the industry had constrained women from reporting the assaults, they were also reluctant to beat the stereotype that all sex workers and performers in pornography are coerced, abused, and in need of rescue. In fact, like any other women, in fact, like any other women in any other workplace, they simply need to feel safe doing the work they do. Of course, some feminists do and always have cared about porn. The almost exclusively feminist study of porn and sexual culture is today well-established in universities, mostly located, in inter mostly located in interdisciplinary fields like media, critical race, cultural, and queer studies. In 2014, Pornography acquired its own academic journal, Porn Studies, whose editorial board includes scholars and activists like Tyra Minow, Violet, Violet Blue, and Marty Klein, who, as Miller Young points out, have important claims to make about feminism, the uses of sexuality, and the possibilities for sex work at the site of sexual dissent as well as labor. Yet, although porn has changed dramatically over the last 30 years, public knowledge about the industry hasn't. As a result, efforts to intervene still spawn arguments about censorship and public health rather than useful research about the exploitation of performance by a highly profitable and unrelated industry and unregulated industry and how to address it. Feminists working in the pornography industry are trying to change that. As radical feminists understood in the early years of women's liberation, sex is a site of both power and vulnerability. Contemporary feminist pornographers believe that the stories they tell about sex matter, not just because they give form to our fantasies, but because they can help us question and remold the real world and out inequalities that replicate themselves as sexual fantasies. They believe that because of its popularity as well as its intimate nature, porn offers valuable opportunities for challenging racism, sexism, ableism, classism, and exploitation. For dis for dis for disseminating feminist ideas about women, the body, and sex, and for teaching the art of human intimacy. If your mind records a pornographic image that may stay with you the rest of your life, Warren, State Senator Todd Wiley, who has called for Utah to declare pornography a public health emergency. But if that were an image produced by a feminist pornographer starring well-paid and protected sex workers demonstrating how sex can be fun, respectful, and safe, couldn't that be a powerful thing? Claire Potter is Professor of History and Director of the Digital Human Claire Potter is Professor of History and Director of the Digital Humanities Initiative at the New School. She's currently writing a history of the feminist anti-pornography movement, Beyond Pornography, Radical, Fem Radical Feminism, and the Campaign to End Violence Against Women. Okay, this I am literally uh, tired right now because that was a lot of what I call heavy weighty concepts. Let me, um, I'm gonna be as simplistic as possible, but I'm gonna address what should be addressed. So here's how I feel. Um, I feel that ethical porn and feminist porn doesn't transform women into adult toys. Um, 
ethical porn and feminist porn doesn't dehumanize women. In ethical porn and feminist porn, women are not used, not abused, not broken, and not discarded. Um, you know, I, I don't, I'm just struggling a lot because this is a lot of stuff to say, but I'm going to just keep going. Um, I don't think ethical feminist porn itself is responsible for sexual assaults against women. And people who um, are into ethical porn and feminist porn, um, they're not the men who are made, changed, and impelled by those types of porn. I just mentioned ethical feminist porn. Um, I'm glad that, that, that the FACT and ACLU were successful in the fight against the ordinance, especially in terms of constitutionality. I'm glad that, that prevented enactments from happening everywhere of the ordinance. Um, I think that the whole all sex workers are coerced, abused, need a rescued, abandoned, neglected. That, and I just gotta be frank, that is complete bullshit. Um, majority of sex workers are voluntarily are within the industry. They choose to do it on their own. Um, as you know, I, I and very disheartened by what happened to Linda um, in terms of the, you know, murder threats and sex, you know, and sex crimes and having to stay in the industry, even though she wanted to do other things, and having an abusive husband who chose not to be a good husband. It's all fucked up. That's extremely fucked up. I do like that black women are are being put at the center of the action settings that range from vacation beaches to the music business. I think that is awesome. I am into protecting uh, female performances' physical safety. I am into giving them the power to status to make their own credit decisions on set. And I am into uh, providing them opportunities to direct their own films. I think that is awesome. Um, I like that um, feminist porn includes featuring performers of color, trans, fat, older, disabled performers. I think that it's good to um, have directors putting the actor's pleasure and agency at the center of the story. I think it's good to ask for actors' consent for any sexual act. I think it's good to permit actors to revoke consent. And I think it's good to provide clean and safe working conditions, right? Um, I think Vadala's stories when it came to lush central setting depicting women's pleasure and seduction for players as well as intercourse and men and women's governmental mutual pleasure through tantric sex, um, exploring a sexuality, uh, discovering a right relationship, I think are awesome. Challenging stereotypes in the form of the usage of erotic narratives, is, I think it's fantastic. Um, teaching men how to be better lovers, awesome. Um, it's so much that I wanna simplify it as best I can. I think that there was a part I really wanted to address, right? So I saw that they're talking about both. They're talking about, I think organized labor is good. I think making basic safety hours and wages matter are important and they should be maintained on the set at all times. And Performers without agents should never be at a disadvantage. They should be treated as well as those who do have an agent. Um, 
I think that we have to end the exploitation of performers by other performers. We need to end the exploitation of performers by directors, producers, and camera crew members and executive leadership members as well. Um, sex workers are capable of being raped. Sex workers are capable of being assaulted. Sex workers are capable of being molested. But not all sex workers are sex crime. Even though sex workers are capable of being sex crime, not all sex workers are sex crime. All right. Sex workers are capable of being, you know, beaten, harassed, and stalked and intruded, but not all sex workers experience those things. And I think that a justice system, I think that the justice system needs to recognize that sex crimes and economic exploitation can occur on a porn set and other sex worker settings. I think that pornography, you know, just because, you know, the I think we should end the bullshit statements about porn and, and we should make it as smooth as possible for people who are exploited to speak up. I think that when performers are harmed and they go unpaid, there should be prosecution to those perpetrators. I think there should be prosecution to perpetrators who sex crime and violent crime performs. And when I say prosecution, I'm thinking there should be a long prison sentence or life in prison without the possibility of parole. That's what I'm thinking. That's how compassionate I am. That's my empathy. I think that both sides of the sex wars should understand that more should be mindful of don't have a contest about who is the best at healthy womanhood, who's the best at defining it. We should both care about violent crimes being eradicated. We should both care about sex crimes being eradicated. We should both care about the fact that women are dehumanized in the world and it needs to end. And that women have been made to feel like something's wrong with them for even having a sex drive. And that the this whole stigma that women are low sex drive having people, that needs to end. And we need to stop shaming the women who do have high sex drives. And women's bodies have been mutilated. And women's sexuality has not been depicted as art, has been depicted as a game. And that those things should end. So there are things that people who are not into porn and those who are, whether they work in it in any kind of way or consumers themselves, they both should come together and say, "Hey, there are things we're going to focus on what we agree on. We're not going to we're not going to fixate on what we disagree on because we can work together on some things. Some things we don't work together on. Hey, we can respect each other, respect our different mentalities, but." Let's not have women tear other women down. Let's not create female misogyny when it comes to each other and when it comes to female viewers, right? And the in male allies of women, let's have them work with us on the things that we do agree on and not make men feel like that no good man cares about these issues because Good men care about the issue. That's what makes them good men. They care about women's struggles, women's pain, things that are forced upon women, people and experience the first one. That's what makes a man good. There, there's a lot of knucklehead dudes out here. You know, think about those things they've been told they would care. So those are the type of dudes that you keep out of the whole helping womanhood be respected. But the good men, the allies, so you don't even have to prod them. They educate themselves like I'm a good man, right? That is what is needed. Okay. 
I like the whole written service contracts. I like the teaching performance to perform the scene safely. I like the advice and any physical risk involved. And I like the enforcing professional payment on the set. I think that's awesome. I'm trying to be as simple as I can because I think you pretty much will know my views. Like, um, um, let me just keep reading. I don't sidestep such issues, right? I don't side, uh, yes, I'm a pro-porn feminist. And yes, I do defend pornography, sex, positive potential. And yes, I debunk the stereotype that all sex workers are exploited. I don't sidestep any issues. I do not. Um, I, I, yes, I defend the right of performers to work in porn and creating a system of self-regulation to keep producers on the right side of the law. I think that producers need help with the regulation. Like people who care about sex workers and not just producers, producers aren't going to be protecting sex workers. They should be involved in, like they should have unions. I think these, I think they should have healthy unions, right? Um, I want to erase all abuses in the industry. And I want workers to be made to feel that they don't need to hesitate to speak out. And um, when she says few advocates on the side are currently still with the farmers themselves that still got the work conditions, the farm, and she what they want to do their jobs out here. That's not me. That's not the kind of advocate I am. I listen to e either side. I listen, even though I'm a prone porn feminist. I care about the concerns of anti-porn feminists. I'm not at odds with them. I don't have a problem with them. I don't have an issue with them. The issues and problems I have are only human rights abuse related. Human rights abusers, those are the only people have issues and problems with. I don't have problems with anti-porn feminists who care about the upliftment of women. Care about the uplifting of women, regardless how I feel about porn, I'm cool with you. That's my personal position. And I listen to what performers themselves have to say um, about their working conditions in the porn industry. And I listen to what porn performers themselves have to say about what they want. And I listen to what porn performers themselves say, what, you know, what, I have to say about need to do their job, be, being able to do their jobs without fear and their need for it. I do care about those things. And I like her ending point, demonstrating how sex can be fun, respectful, and safe. Um, in terms of the image produced by feminist pornographer starring well-paid to protect sex workers, demonstrating how sex can be fun, respectful, and safe. Can that be a powerful thing? I think it is. And I like the, ch I love the challenging of race. I love challenging racism. I love challenging sexism. I love challenging ableism. I love challenging classism. I love challenging exploitation. I love disseminating, I love, um, I love, I'm gonna look up the word disseminate. I wanna make sure I'm not saying anything stupid. So, Oh, disseminate, spread something, especially information widely. Okay. I love disseminating feminist ideas about women. I love disseminating feminist ideas about the body. I love disseminating feminist ideas about sex. And I love disseminating feminist ideas and for the teaching the art of human intimacy, right? You know? I love feminists working in the porn industry who are trying to change the issues that are rocking the porn industry. I think that is awesome. And um, I don't want to be too long. I, I do want to get to the point. You know, the film productions and the film distribution, I'm proud of candidates for doing that. And to all the dudes who use um, anti-porn uh, movements thoughts, I think that's wrong. I, it's wrong to exploit uh, a movement 
that you're not even a part of. Don't exploit movements that you're a part of too, by the way. Just don't exploit movements that are sincere. You know what I mean? Don't do that. And the distributors who balk, they're dumbasses. Um, I, I, I lovingly disagree with Gail Dines when she says that anyone willing to feed off women's bodies needs them as raw materials and probably has an article called, called themselves feminist because that's not what my pro-porn stance consists of. I, am, I have a pro-ethical porn stance. I have a pro-feminist porn stance. So no, I do not disrespect women's bodies because I do not disrespect women's souls. I put women's souls over their bodies. I put their minds over their behinds. That's how I feel, and I'll never change that conviction. I believe in, I value ending sexism. I value ending misogynist violence. Um, I think that we need more women producers, more women writers, more women directors, more women camera crew, crew heads, and um, heads meaning leadership. And I value, um, women-owned production, porn production entities. We need more of those, and we need more of women executive leadership in porn production companies. I, I, I feel this way. Um, I think making set safer, making porn more politically progressive, you know, are good. I think they should be, the set should be safer for everybody involved, not just performers. Yeah, yes, performers, but Everyone in the porn entity should be, everybody should be safe. Um, I don't think rape is the practice, pornography is the theory. I think ethical pornography is the theory and ethical pornography is the practice. If it's ethical, there's no sex crimes, no violent crimes. And I think that all performers should, as long as they're engaging in safe sexual uh, practices and safe sexual practices, then as long as no one gets infected or diseased, teach their own on that one. I just don't want anybody to get sick or die an unnecessary death or die for their time. That's all I care about. And as for the industry, you know, making money, I think that everyone who contributes to profiting from the adult film distribution should be mentioned and no euphemisms. Everybody should get their fair and square credit. Um, big porn serving different sexuality desires and ages allows women who have keen sense for portions that market to prosper. Beautiful, beautiful. I think the engagement of pornography should just be just 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 respect people. Just do that. And yes, I agree. I agree with civil rights attorney Mary Dolman, right? A longtime feminist, that's what she is. Dorman has numerous clients in sex work. I think that's awesome. What they and all women need, she believes, is freedom from discrimination regardless of how they make a living. Self-explanatory. I I think the same way with her on, with her on that one, and I think that um, women should not have to do um, more than one scene just to be close to men in terms of finances and income. I think that. Women should be able to do anything they want and be financially prosperous as much as men. Um, it's sad to live in a world where equal pay for equal work is still hated and disliked by so many people. I call them ass wipes. I think equal pay for equal work, men and women should be making the same. So a hey, the sex industry 
that, 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 you know, women want men. And I just go, our society, I mean, some people make more than others. You do have some, I'm pretty sure there are women who make more money than I do, and I'm okay with that. Uh, just in general, I just think about equal pay for the work. That should be in all industries. I shouldn't have to do more or do less to get paid the same or close to the same or to do a lot just so I can tire my body out but still not have starvation wages. I think that's horrible. And that you have to do all that to make union wages or tribe as close to, I think that's horrible, horrible. I think all money contracts should be in writing and people listen to it and making, you know, read it, I'm sorry. People should be reading the contract so everybody knows nobody should be stuck for their paper. Um, You know, I like that Hollywood is growing up. Working reasonable hours, good. Concerned with safer sex, good. Concerned with consent, good. Kink revising his model bill of rights, good. Good. Employing performers of color and paying them the same amount as their white counterparts, good. Hollywood not doing that, shame on you, Hollywood. Making safe environments, good. Scrutinizing the shoot to make sure the actors understand and consent to every act I've ever seen involves nudity, good, 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 good. Um, I love that there's an effort by feminist organizations to stigmatize sex work and pornography to support female performers for making industry safer and better, but also expand economic choice of those who spend any part of their work on lives of porn, good, good. I think there should be healthy scrutiny of the porn workplaces in all workplaces, in all sex workplaces, all workplaces, right? Good. And um, yes, I'm a feminist pornography person. There is a such thing as feminist pornography. Yes, there is. Um, and I like how they challenge that you have women, you have, there's a dishonorableness of women in all um, genres and all industries, why single out porn, that, that is sexual hypocrisy, that is a moral hypocrisy. Um, and to stigmatize porn industry and porn performers and porn workers of all capacities upon viewers is just a damn shame. Um, and to to try to fight over, not women, that's what I put it, to try to define uh, healthy and satisfying sex times competition is needless. And consuming and making porn is not categorically harmful. It's not harmful. And what happened to Dorothy Allison is just really, really shitty. It's it's shit baggy, really. Mm. I think that Porn sets, like any other workplace, should be safe, regulated, and free from discrimination. I think defending the sexual workplace is brought significance to um, As for the clothing and... That'll be the last thing I address, because you pretty much know how I feel, because I've talked about this so many times. Wait a minute, before I do that, I like feminist porn entrepreneurs. I would love to be one myself. You know, I would love to be one myself. You know, women, you know, but viewing themselves as educators, writers, actors, artists, and intellectuals, whether you're, you know, women or queer, 
Kristen, that's just awesome. Awesome. Make feminist porn of your own. The quality. Her movies are about the quality of the sex rather than how outraged by that it could be awesome. Awesome. And the women and men who are appreciative of Vadua, awesome. Awesome. Vadua becoming a pornography legend. I would love to be a pornography legend myself. I would love to be a pornographer. I would love to be a feminist pornographer. I would love to be an ethical pornographer, for sure. So, I think that's fantastic. I was able to address that. All right, let me get to celebrating women's sexuality and teaching men to be better lovers. That's that's awesome. And sex films, that's really, really awesome. The shout out thing, I think that's just distasteful and disdainful to me. Let me get to one more thing. I think I covered just about everything. Oh, I think all of the prep for a shoot should be paid and reimbursed fairly and freedom from deception. But men aren't supposed to be appropriately trimmed, tan, and plucked. I think that theory is ridiculous but men aren't supposed to expect it to arrive um hygienic and neatly looking that's also ridiculous um porn stars glam comes out of her own pocket uh that is unethical that is highly unethical and more expect women than men Again, that is highly unethical. Women also can't do the highest paid work to the sex every day. There's got to be some time off to rest. Terminal's right. Takes all your, all your body. Terminal's right again. On set, potentially twice as long as men because they hair and makeup. They have to show up with a bunch of their wardrobe. We have to kill this male chauvinism. We have to kill male misogyny. Um, I think that clothes loaned or given by designers and the squads of makeup artists and hairdressers means that they should get the loans and the porn star doesn't have to pay from from her own finances. I think that Hollywood, you know, loan, clothes loaned or given by designers and squads, makeup artists, and hairdressers should also be employed by um, ethical porn productions and feminist porn productions, too. I think that should happen in porn, too, not just Hollywood. Oh, yeah, that's just fucked up that they treat women like that. That's really fucked up. Um, I think work on porn sets should usually be unionized with benefits, well-enforced industry standards for wages and intellectual property, right? Conditions that can, you know, and we want to get rid of all conditions that can contribute to exploitation. And the porn industry should not be sexist in any kind of way. The porn industry should be Dominated by men, women, plus people, black people, and all the entire human rights diversity who can, you know, keep out all the human rights abuses and to present sex and people uh, truthfully, accurately. Um, and the visibility of women should be respected. Um, and conditions of their labor should be visible, making women hyper-visible. I think women should just be made visible um, instead of, you know, misogynistic hyper-visibility. And work on porn sex should usually be um, regulated with the right people who care about sex workers' rights and are for 
I think I'm just a women also have to spend money to make money. That's that's a damn shame and gay for pay. I don't I don't usually um say things like that. Uh, because we have to be careful of our wordings, right? And higher porn, higher paying porn seems to correlate with sex, extra more physically and psychologically demanding. I think that's just horrible. Straight male stars who get to do scenes with other men and deal called gay for pay can trip their normal rates. So I'm like, wait a minute. Be sexually true to yourself. If you're straight, only have straight sex. If you're gay, only have gay sex. It's really that simple. Don't lie to yourself to make more money. And you know that you robbed yourself of integrity just to profit in ways that you really dehumanize yourself. Um, and I think that separating sex work from intimacy, as long as there's respect involved, that should be the capacity only. Um, I think people should have be helped. And the highest earning female porn stars to pay for the work on set, but not the unpaid labor of intending their appearance. I think there should be paid labor of the parents' maintenance. And I'm just about done. I am just about done. I'm going to rest the rest of the day because some articles are so mentally absorbing that I'm, I'm going to just do one more feminist porn one tomorrow morning and I'll officially be done with it. That one, man, it, it was a lot. But I may talk about other things in the next episode as well. It depends on how much I'm mentally feeling. So thank you for hearing me.